0: According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about. And is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries, and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive. Our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope.
1: And I've got a very special guest with me, my very good friend, the host of the Finding Hope podcast, our Finding Hope coordinator, Finding Hope czar, Amy LaRue. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you, Sean. I'm so excited to be here and get to be on this podcast.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, I've been on yours before. Yes. And now you're coming on mine. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, even though it'll probably both go to the same places.
0: Yeah. Spreading hope on both places, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And it's not like we're uh, cheating the system by knocking out a podcast for both of us, though.
0: No, it's not like we're busy or anything. Yeah.
1: Yes. Before we get started, I want to ask everybody, if you are uh, someone who's got a loved one that's been struggling in addiction, please go to hopeisalive.net slash rootedintruth. And there's a few spots left, right, for the Finding Hope Retreat yes, coming up? Yes,
0: very few. So they're going to be gone before you know it. We have, As of the day we're recording this, we have four spots left.
1: Okay, so you heard it here first. Four spots left for the Finding Hope Retreat in March, later this Ma- month.
0: March 31st through April 2nd in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Post Oak Lodge and Retreat.
1: Gotcha. And some keynote speakers like Allison Lang. Yes
0: super excited to have Hope is Alive COO Allison Lang speaking Friday night with everyone and then Saturday evening we will have Karen Salisbury she is a Christian author and speaker and has an incredible testimony as well
1: that is so awesome so again if you've got a you know if you're a parent or a loved one out there and you've got a family member that's been struggling and you just kind of want some people around you that get it this is the retreat for you again that's Hope is slash rooted in truth we'll put that up on the screen so you guys can visit that link. But yeah, four spots left, so hurry.
0: Yes, and it, we have people coming from all over. It's not just those not just in the Oklahoma Midwest. City, right? No, we have Idaho, North Carolina, Minnesota, Washington, all over. So don't think you have to be here in Oklahoma to come, right?
1: Because it's in Tulsa.
0: It is in Tulsa, but it doesn't feel like it's in Tulsa. You've it been doesn't. there before.
1: Yeah, I've been there a couple of times. It's does yeah. It feels like its own little world.
0: It is. It's a it's a le- retreat center, right? It's yeah, out in yeah. beautiful area.
1: I was thinking the last time I was out there with you guys that. It kind of, and this is, you know, for anybody who might be attending, it's like it kind of gives you flashbacks to when you were a kid at camp. Like, if there's cabins, but
0: or, nicer cabins in church, cabins. yes, <laughs> much nicer. Much nicer.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to put off uh, any false vibes there. No, but it's like the the grown up version of being at camp.
0: <laughs> yes, it's just just so serene. too. Yes. beautiful and. Just a way to truly unplug and connect and learn, like you are saying, you're not alone in this, and mm-hmm. gain tools and education and just to leave with more hope than you came with.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. All right. So, Amy, you're the Finding Hope coordinator. Yes. And you've been doing that for how long?
0: Since 2019.
1: 2019. 2019 is when you and I met.
0: Yes, October, I think I started in January. I think you started in October.
1: Yeah, but you met me when I was like two weeks sober. Oh
0: my goodness, I remember. You're so skinny. (laughs) Like, and so like you just, you look healthy now.
1: Right, yeah. I was thinking about that before uh, recording today. I remember they asked me, um... If I would come to a finding hope meeting, that's all I was told. And again, like I think I talked about this the last time that we did a pod together, but I at that point I was like early and I was just saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And I said yes, not really knowing what I was saying yes to. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and you were like, all right. So when you share your story, I was like, share my what <laughs> story? I was like, this story's still going on. Like, yeah. And, um, I remember watching the first few residents share their stories and at the end of it, they would say like, and this spring I'm going to have a year sober or mm-hmm. two years sober. And I got to the end of mine and I said, and, uh, here in about two weeks, I'll have 30 days sober.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's that experience. I will say, it was Game changing for me. Wow! Because I had I didn't really know what it was like to go out and share this, and to not only see what everybody else in the room was getting from it, but what I myself got from it. Mm. And it's like Lance always says, our story is our secret weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding hope, those meetings can be a great place to go share. Wouldn't you say?
0: Absolutely. We love hearing from the Hope is Life residents and those in recovery because we can learn so much as a loved one what to do and what not to do, right. and to see there is hope. Hope yes. In that I know on one of my podcasts recently, if there's someone said I think it was Trina's, if there's still breathing, there's still hope.
1: Yes, I love that. Still breathing and there's still hope. But sometimes it's not as easy as it seems, right? No, you know, like sometimes not. you know, we have to love someone from a distance.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Which we talk about that like deep Detaching with love. And so many times people think how that's mean. How can you detach and still love someone? You know, and I always tell them about the prodigal son, going to that Bible. That father loved his son so much, watched him leave and let him leave, but never stopped loving him. His son, you know, we know most of us know this story, went through a lot. And came back, and that father and he, that son knew that his father would be there still loving him. And his father was there with open arms and showed him that love that never was lost.
1: Yes. So, so good. So, obviously, every story has a beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our guests on this show usually come on and tell their stories, but their story is usually coming from the perspective of somebody who's been trapped in despair and addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not you. Your story is from the other end. Absolutely. The one that we don't hear a lot from, the one that Lance has even said before, can be the forgotten population. Absolutely. Which is the loved one of someone who struggled with mm-hmm. alcoholism or addiction. Yeah. And I say that because that's something that I never really thought about, you know, especially as someone who's a recovering addict themselves, you know, we can get so wrapped up in our own stuff, you know, like, and so proud of us for getting that year sober or getting that three months sober, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And you kind of, it's very easy for us to forget about what about our loved one? What about what they went through? Yeah. And so just talk a little bit about your experience with that and what led to you first finding, finding hope.
0: Absolutely. So um, you know my story, so stop me or ask me questions <laughs> as I go. Um, so just to back up a little bit, Sean yeah. is um, I met my husband. We're high school sweethearts. Yeah. Um, we actually went to college. We got married between our junior and senior year of college. Very active and involved in um on-campus ministries. Mm -hmm. Like we never actually went and did like the party scene in college or any of that. Um, we got married after college, we moved to Oklahoma city and just started our lives. Right. And got involved in a local church. We thought that would be very important to be able to meet others that were walking the same life, you know, young adults starting careers and how important that was. And we knew, um, church was a great place to find that when we didn't know anybody else here. Um, um, and so we did that. When we started, we had two beautiful children, um, girls. And then something shifted in my husband. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. And. At first, I thought it was all just anxiety or depression. He just wasn't a present father. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a present husband. Um, He just, you could just tell he would go in and out on his day. I'd come home. I wouldn't know what I was going to come home to. Would he be, you know, in the bed asleep already? Would he be asleep in his chair? You know, would he eat dinner with us that night? Would he be able to, um, we would do a Bible story every night with our kids? kids? Would he be able to participate in that that night? You know, I didn't know what was going on.
1: So that's interesting. And I, you know, I stop you there because, and I've heard this before, but you know, you said how there's just something was off Mm -hmm. and you weren't really sure what it was. Right. And I say that for the parents listening, you know, this goes back to the part of our slogan saying, you're not alone. You know, my mother herself has said several times when I was about 15, which is when I started using drugs, that, I remember her saying to my face, she goes, I, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but something's off here. Yeah, yeah. She's like, and I remember her even saying, like, I, I like, am I going crazy? Like, is something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. So, if you're a parent out there, and you've got a loved one, and you're having the same thoughts, like, something's just off, something's just wrong, you're not alone.
0: <laughs> no, and actually, you know, in our Finding Hope book, there's a yeah. chapter about, am I crazy? Yeah, like, I mean, exactly. they're really, it that talks about that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I used to, during that, not knowing what has do what do most people go? They go to, where? Google, right, right? Google, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to figure out what's going on with my husband. C- Google can tell me. I can yeah. just, what's, you know, I honestly, at some point, I thought he had, a, like, a brain tumor. Mm. It just, just all these behaviors. I'm like, surely, you know, he was also getting sick a lot more, from, you know, to someone who's throwing up more, like, a lot of time in the mornings, and, you know, I But just, substance never entered your mind. No, honestly, because we didn't do that. You know, we would drink maybe on occasion, but Mm -hmm. never, I've never, well, at that point, I never thought I'd seen my husband drunk, you know, um, what I know now. Turns out you had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we just, we didn't keep it in our house either. We didn't keep alcohol in our house and, you know, nothing was even coming up on like, I did, you know, the bookkeeping or whatever, you know, I kept, you know, our checking, no, no red flags, nothing Mm -hmm. in there was trying to figure out what was going on. So surely it had to be something else else. No, I never thought it was substances.
1: Wow. And, but there was a turning point.
0: Yeah. And so, and so that was mostly like 2014 when things were kind of weird. And then in 2015, it just kept getting worse and yeah. worse. And, um, I used to be a kindergarten teacher and I tell people all the time that year I was teaching was my most, it was a hard year of teaching too. Yeah, um, you some years have easy breezy years, and some years you have more challenging groups of students. And it was so just to put perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. My job, I was, had was challenged at jo- my job. I was being challenged at home, and plus raising you know, two kids at the time, two yeah. young kids. Um, and so it just kept getting worse. And then I'll never forget. It was February 23rd. You know, we always remember dates yep. and it was snowy and kids were being checked out at school. Mm-hmm. But my poor kid was a teacher's kid. She was in kindergarten at that age and she had to stay at school with mom until I could Be gone! Uh, But then I had to stay longer for all the students, the buses to pick them up. You know, with bad weather, it just took a lot longer. And I remember texting my husband or trying to call him or text him doing both saying, hey, I'm on the way to pick up our other daughter, our younger Mm -hmm. daughter that was at daycare. And I never heard from him. And I thought that was really weird. I was like, why wouldn't he want to know that we're safe? We're on our way home, you know, because the roads were very bad at that point. And I got home and there he was like the fire was going, he was just like, just laid back in his chair. Um, I mean, he was responsive, but not like he was checked out. Like I a guess. Shell of himself. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I told the girls, go hurry, get ready, get, let's get your snow stuff. Cause it, by that point it was getting dark. Right. Yeah. Like I was like, they want to play in the snow. What kid doesn't want to play in the snow. Yeah. And so they're getting ready. And then all of a sudden I hear my husband yelling from the living room, I need help. I need help. And somehow he had gotten up and fallen on our living room rug and was getting sick to his stomach again. And I didn't know what to do. And so um, my... I called my in laws and called my sister in law. My sister in law came and got the girls and my in laws came over and we were just trying to figure out what to do. What what's do we need to take him to the ER? What's going on with him? We got him in to take a shower, you know, got him in bed and still didn't know what was going on though. And, you know, I'd say all the time like God just watched over us this whole time. And the next day was a snow day. So I didn't have to take a day off from school. Mm -hmm. And I was able to take him to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't honest with the doctor what was going on. And the doctor honestly prescribed Xanax. (laughs) And, and ambient, And ambient. But, you know, the doctor didn't know either. You know, and I have to say, you yeah,
1: know. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's funny. When I was, uh, this last time around, when I was in the intensive care unit about four years ago, uh, well, I was in the ER first. Mm-hmm. And the doctor came in and, you know, told me a few things that were off with me. Uh, one thing was I was severely dehydrated. And he asked, you know, is there anything else you need to know? Like, do you mm-hmm. have any habits? And I said, no. And he started, he turned around and started to walk out. And my aunt said, what are you, hold on. <laughs> and she said, tell him the truth. And I said, okay, well, I, I probably put down about a handle of whiskey each day. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh my, okay, that, and, ev- and immediately, you know, there was a whole new uh, plan of action. And it's so weird, you know, I mean, obviously it's different situations. I was just in this Thing of not wanting to lie or just wanting to lie, as if he was a cop or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. It's it's, but they can't help if they don't know.
0: Yeah, and that's where, like, you know. So we take him to the doctor, and I'm thinking, okay, this medicine's going to fix him. Whatever's been going on, it's going to fix him, right?
1: Still not clicking to you that this. Could no, be, right. no,
0: no. And so, you know, I say things got worse, a mm-hmm. lot worse, the next month or so. And I mean, what I know now, yeah, of course it would get worse because yeah. of the drugs that he was prescribed and he was taking out drinking alcohol on top of it and so things got worse and then it came to our daughter's third birthday and anyone that knows our our middle now she's our middle child macy she's just a little like at that age she was just a little princess and Mm -hmm. just uh, she's just fun like both my girls are fun but she you know just the energy and so i was getting ready for her party her third party third um and I just let my husband sleep that morning. I was like, I just need him to sleep because then he'll be okay for the party, right? Like, I don't want, pe- you know, people are coming to our house to have this princess party. Well, he woke up and he was doing pretty well. And I was like, yes, we're, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a good day because we were having so many bad days before then. Yeah. And he just never, I never knew what kind of day we were going to have.
1: But you felt you were owed a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I thought-
1: of all days. <laughs>
0: yeah, and he woke up fine. I was like, okay, it'll be okay. Well, within probably 30 minutes, 15 minutes of the party starting, Mm -hmm. There he was in his chair. He had kicked back his shoes. He just couldn't even keep his eyes open. And I remember like, please take out the trash. You know, can you not? And then I almost, I haven't threatened my, I was like, my dad's going to take out the trash if you don't. Like trying to like, you know, (laughs) you know, manipulate him. You know, we say, you know, our loved ones manipulate, but we do it as well. And, and so anyways, long story short, he wasn't able to stay at the party and my in-laws to come back and I lied to everybody at the party. Oh, he's not feeling well, you know? And I just kept it together for my daughter and for, you know, and to protect him. I kept, you know, I just didn't want anyone to know really what was going on. I really didn't know what was going on. And then that night my girls went up to Kansas with my parents. It was spring break. And so, um, they went up and that night we were, you know, uh, laying in bed and, you know, watching one of my favorite shows, friends, and he got up and said, I need to get a drink of water. And I was like, I did something and I'm like, you know, probably the Holy Spirit was like, Get mm-hmm. up, Amy, go see what's going on. Yeah. And I did. And that's why I found him in the garage on his workbench, full of empty vodka bottles.
1: And there it was. There
0: it was. And I'm stood there and I actually just had a coffee with somebody before. And she goes, Well, how'd you feel when you found all that? And I was like, You know, I just stood there Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what to think at that moment. Like this, has never entered your mind. No, here's my answer. But what do I do? Right? Is he an alcoholic? What is an alcoholic? I always thought those were people under the bridge, or those those famous people. Like you know, um, I was very judgmental. Yeah. uh, You know, and I didn't know what to do
1: gotcha well before we continue on we're gonna take a quick break and let's go to our new segment called what are you watching what are you watching so Amy what have you been watching lately
0: watching oh my goodness TV I have three kids Sean it's hard for me to watch yeah, this but when I, yeah yeah but when I have time um, I'm not gonna lie I like The Bachelor
1: the Bachelor yeah okay. right now the bachelor's <laughs> going
0: on I know it's you know it's one of those I can just sit back and not have to think <laughs> wow okay yeah Good
1: deal and so just the bachelor anything else
0: oh or? I watch I like the medical one like the Good Doctor, I really like that. I just watched an episode last night, actually, and then I'm a Grey's Anatomy fan as well.
1: Gotcha. I grew up an ER fan.
0: I I watched ER too, and yeah, I yeah, I
1: was always an ER yeah. fan. Um, well, very good. I've been watching so 1923. What's on, that? So it's on Paramount Plus. It's a spin-off of the show Yellowstone. Surely okay. you've heard of Yellowstone.
0: I've heard of it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah.
1: So 1923. So the Yellowstone's about a family on this ranch in Montana.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Um 1923 is the same family but you know their ancestors in the 20s Um, and I've always loved any shows about the 20s I'm all all about and especially this side you know in Montana is definitely a different feel Mm -hmm. and Harrison Ford's in it
0: oh okay and a
1: lot of other uh, really solid actors I've also been watching The Last of Us on HBO Um, that's just one I kind of fell into. It's new. I'm sure plenty of people listening to this have been watching The Last of Us. Pretty solid show. Moves a little slow sometimes, but still pretty solid. The only show I've seen that is based on a video game that is actually really good. They've got like a A-list cast, really, really well shot, good writing.
0: Based on a video game?
1: It's based on a video Interesting. game.
0: Interesting. I know. And <laughs>
1: Initially, when I heard about it, I was like, good, okay. Like, And I watched the first episode and was hooked immediately. So. Okay. And then lastly, I've been watching the show called Snowfall, which is probably my favorite current show that's on right now. And it's about, it takes place in Los Angeles in the 80s. And it's about the crack, co- crack cocaine epidemic, but mm-hmm. it shows you that side of it, but it shows how the CIA could have been involved. That whole conspiracy thing—it sounds really weird on the <laughs> surface, but again, like just like most shows, great writing and great acting make a whole, yeah, whole thing. Like, I, and that was a show that I put off for a while, and until a couple years ago, someone put it on me and then I ended up binging all of it. So now I'm up to date, okay. but that's it for what are you watching? We'll go ahead and throw that Instagram handle up below. If you're watching something that you think we should watch, please tag us at what are you watching? Tag us at hope is alive. We want to hear about it. So we're back and you found him in the garage
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a toolbox filled with empty vodka bottles. Yep. And now you have your answer, mm-hmm. which is a relief really on one. You know, in a sense, because now you know.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a sense of relief. Like, it's weird to say, but it's like-
1: it's not the brain tumor. It's it's not, not, you know, but at the same point in time, like you were saying before we left off, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And what is an alcoholic?
0: Yeah, is he an alcoholic? Is he an
1: alcoholic, right?
0: Right, like- I never would have, thought, nobody does. Right. Even mm-hmm. those in recovery you, yourself, you didn't choose to be an addict. Right. Correct. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like, what do I do now with all this?
1: Yeah. So what'd you do?
0: Um honestly, I just kinda stood there and froze and
1: Oh I, I meant afterwards, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like <laughs> I my in laws came and is one of those like we all had our answers. So they took him back to their house and I just stayed up all night crying. Mm-hmm. But do you know what I did the next day? I put on my church outfit and went to church and pretended like nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. And I, my husband wasn't with me and two of our friends was like, what's going on? And so I did invite them over and I showed, I still had all the bottles. They're just on my kitchen counter now. Didn't know what to do with them. Um, in shock. And so one of my friends, Lance um, Lang, you know, the founder of Hope is Alive, he had just been to our church and spoke mm-hmm. in a, like a small group and she had gone. And so, um, bless her heart. She just pulled out her notebook and was like reading some of the notes and she really meant well, but she hadn't been in my shoes. And I say that all the time now. You don't get it unless you live it, Yeah. but you know, I do believe God put her in that with Lance because we were able to get in contact with him. Yeah. And my husband got into some counseling. Things got better probably for about a month mm-hmm. or so. And then I started to see the same behaviors yeah. start to cycle again. Um, and if he was denying it. And sure. um, yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: that's what yeah, we do.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, you know, and I was just on survival mode, trying to survive the school year again. I had a challenging group. I just need to make it through May, and then we can figure out what's going on yeah. and what the next step is. And um, and so, you know, he got into counseling, and he was even doing a breathalyzer and learned how to trick it. You know, and so it's one of the
1: it's. Isn't it <laughs> crazy how like all the work that will go through mm-hmm. just to get that substance. Yeah. I mean, like, and I've said this a bunch of times on here and this is kind of connects for it, but it's like, I've always said, you know, we're willing to give up so much stuff, everything, mm-hmm. for one little thing, not realizing that if we give up that one little thing, we'd get everything.
0: Well, and he knew, like, he would tell me, now he tells me, like, I wanted to stop for you. I wanted to stop for our girls, but I just couldn't. Yeah, I didn't know how. I wanted it. Like, he's truly... Like I believe him, like yeah. he wanted to stop, but he didn't know how and he couldn't because he was so dependent on that to survive the next hour, the next two hours, the next day.
1: Yeah, we get to a point, you know, when you're deep enough in your addiction, you, you know, you yes, you want to quit. Mm-hmm. Yes, you want this to be over. You, you know, all of that is true. But like, he, you know, like, you know, Shane tells you, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how. And there's also this little part of you that's like, well, what's my life going to look like? you know, without this, Mm. you know, and just, just very simple things like going out to dinner or, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, what happens whenever I have a rough day? What happens when I get stressed? What am I supposed to do? You know, like, and there's also the selfishness in us. Like, why does everyone else get to drink and not Mm. me? Yeah. You know, I just need to drink less. Well, we're not all wired that way.
0: Yeah.
1: So, You're at a point where you're getting resources, you know, things are coming in Mm -hmm. and at what point do you, you know, make that switch and find finding hope?
0: So, um, we survived the school year and it's the summer. And I remember I would escape to Kansas to Mm -hmm. be with my parents and we were coming back and I remember my mother-in-law calling me and saying, Shane's dehydrated. We need to take him to the ER. And I knew really what was going on. And, um, so they, he went and I remember calling my friend. I only had two friends that knew at the time still what was really going on. And my sister didn't even know at this point still, this is, you know, this is about three or four four months after finding it. And I dropped our girls off at her house. I remember standing in her kitchen and saying, I want, my prayer is that God will use this, that someday I can help another spouse that's going through this. I didn't know if Shane would ever get sober and clean and recovery or what our lives, but I knew God would use this for his purpose. Sure. And so I stood there and she still to this day talks about that. She's like, Amy, you are so brave and so strong. Like, you know, I may have had a tear or two falling down, but I wasn't sobbing through that. Yeah. And so I went to the ER um, where my husband was and, um, kind of like your situation, he was lying to the doctor right there. Right. You know, but he had done a blood test in the ER trying to figure out what was going on. And the doctor basically said, do you want to tell them or do you want me? And he's like, tell them what, you know, No, still what? what? And he was over three times the legal limit. And that was after who knows how much other time between what he really would have been. And it's just real interesting because we talk about how everybody reacts differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just remember sitting there starting to sob. I just start crying then. And then my mother-in-law, she was started yelling. Sure. And then my father-in-law, you could just see on his face, like the disappointment. Yeah. Like what's going on? Like what, what now? And that was the next question. Like what now? My mother-in-law tried to give me his wallet and I said, no, he's not coming home. And I told my husband he could come home when he was healthy. And I didn't know what that meant or what that looked like. It was very scary to say that as a mom of... Young kids, But that was really when I feel like I put my first boundary up About to
1: say, yes, I didn't know
0: what you know, I didn't know any of these recovery terms, but that's really what it was. It you was, were
1: setting a boundary without knowing it.
0: Yeah. And so my husband got in touch with his counselor and recommended a few rehabs. I had called Lance at that point as mm-hmm. well. And Lance um, recommended some rehabs. But then he that's when he turned it on me and said, well, I have a place for you.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, called Finding Hope. And I said, I don't have a problem. Yeah, this like, isn't
1: on me, man. This
0: isn't, I'm not the one pouring the booze down my throat. <laughs> and, you know, like I'm not the one r- breaking our family apart. I'm not the one ruining our family, putting us in debt and all this. But I'm a rule follower. And it's like, okay, tell me more. And so, um, long story short, my husband did go to rehab that next week. And then the next week I went to my first Finding Hope meeting. Wow. And... I tell people I made sure I was wearing my best outfit, the best clothes, because I didn't want people to know what was going on. Right. Yet I'm walking into a meeting full of people who understood for yeah. the first time, understood. It's so
1: weird for the longest time, you know, and I say this for pe- people who go to Finding Hope meetings or for residents who come into the Hope is Alive program. This big wall that we have up beforehand is you get so tired of someone saying, I get it when they don't get it. hmm or I know how you feel. No, you don't know how I feel. And then when the tables are turned on you, whether, like I said, whether you're a resident and you walk into a home full of other drug addicts and alcoholics, and all of a sudden, when they say, I get it, they they really do. Mm-hmm. They have been where you are. Or when you walk into a Finding Hope meeting and everyone is either where you're at, been where you're at, mm-hmm. and it's a very... <laughs> you know, sobering, if you will, feeling.
0: And I have people tell me all the time, I wish I would have gone sooner mm. or I wish they would have, we would have had Finding Hope 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was, it's like, I walked in, and but I was still, I was scared of their judgment. Sure. You know? Even and though I, they
1: were there for the same exactly,
0: reason. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but that's I,
1: just that wall we put yeah, up. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I was like, you know, I thought it was something I did as a wife to mm. make my husband drink and become an alcoholic. But when I walked in, I saw people smiling. And at first I was angry. You, you probably heard me say that before. I'm like, I'm not smiling. I am dying inside. Yeah. Like I am hopeless. I am angry. I am frustrated. I am sad. I I don't know what to feel sometimes. Yeah. And so I walked in and what I learned is kind of what you said. I finally learned I'm not alone.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not your fault.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's not my fault. And that was part of it. And that's probably all I left with was our um, motto. You're not alone. It's not your fault. And there is hope. And those smiles those people had was hope. Yeah. And I knew I wanted that. And I knew I didn't know anything about this Disease or anything. And so I knew I needed to keep coming to be surrounded by people who understood.
1: And that's a great place to start. I like, you know, what you said there. I knew I wanted that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I finally realized that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. a whole lot about this. And again, the same, it can go both ways. For those of you listening, whether you're on Amy's end, the family member, or you're on my end, the person in recovery, you know, once you, you know, just find those two little quick things for you when you are in a new situation. So, if, you know, one is okay. My gosh, I am not alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great start. And then also maybe, you know, humble yourself and admit that you don't know everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: that maybe you can learn something.
0: And I still say that today. Sure, you yeah. You know, I tell that to my leaders now. I'm like, I don't know everything. I'm still learning. We learn every day. Yeah. We never stop learning.
1: Yeah. I remember at one year sober, when I got a year clean, I felt on top of the world. Mm. Like, man, I'm a G. Like, I got this thing down. Mm-hmm. And when I got two years, I and I remember, like, my speech, too, was pretty... You know, when I got my chip, it was pretty like, yeah, you know, and when I got two years, I remember saying this is hard Mm. and the same goes for three (laughs) and so on. Um, There's always something new to learn. Yeah. But that doesn't have to be a burden. No, that's exciting.
0: Yeah. And it helps us in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just with my husband. It's in all relationships. How, you know. How to get through it. Yeah. You know, and knowing others are going through it and how to respond over reacting and knowing um it's okay to feel. Yeah. It's okay. And now I know how to feel through it. For you sure. know, like when I get anxious, I now have tools of okay, what am I gonna do to get past this anxious? I'm gonna make a list, I'm gonna take some deep breaths, I'm gonna close my eyes, I might go on a walk, yeah, you know, go down to the mailbox and back. I might you know, so I now I have tools to help me through that.
1: Yeah. And wouldn't you say it's important to remember that there's no finish line to any of this? Oh,
0: absolutely. And I tell that to people all the time. So I started going in 2015, Mm -hmm. kept going to Finding Hope, kept going. I, you know, there's sometimes I was mad because I'd have to get childcare for our kids. But what I learned is... My husband, while he was at rehab, he was walking his path of recovery, and I started my path of recovery. And I'm in my lane of recovery, and he's in his lane of recovery. And if I don't, you know, I've heard it like our recovery, it's like a ship. We're anchored down in our, you know, in our meetings with sponsorship, with the tools, all that, with my prayer time, with, you know, all those things. But what can happen is, oh, I can say, oh, my husband has four years sober. I don't need this, these meetings anymore. So I start to lose my anchors. Yeah. Right. And what happens is I can relapse in those old behaviors as well. I can start enabling. I can start getting back to my codependency and all those I can loosen up my boundaries. Right. You know, and so... My husband actually did relapse. He relapsed after five years, but I was still going to finding hope and I was a stronger person and I was able to get through that relapse a lot easier and I do see it and you guys probably see it too. And he said the same thing. He goes, yeah, you know, it's kind of up and down in and out, but I know I need to be here now. I need to be here for life.
1: Absolutely. I mean... Especially for people like you and me, you know, now working for a ministry Mm. that specializes in this kind of work. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to think that we're getting our program done during the day from eight to five Mm. when we're, whether it's here in the studio, at the office, on the road. Mm -hmm. um, You still need to go to Finding Hope. I still need to go to AA.
0: Well, I need to go for myself.
1: Right. You know, that's that's a difference too. That's the thing though, is again, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and as a graduate of the program, this was a very, something that I really had to find out on my own is like, okay, no one's going to tell me to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not in the homes. I don't have a program manager or whoever telling me, Hey, you need to get to your meetings. You know, you lead finding hope now Mm -hmm. and- there's not really anybody else around. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that you don't have any mentors in your Mm -hmm. life, but for the most part, you know, you've got to make sure that Amy gets to a meeting for Amy.
0: Yes. And I have to take care of myself. Right.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things I've noticed is like, and it doesn't always work out this way. I'm not trying to, but a lot of the times the meeting that we really don't want to go to, um, is the one that we needed the most. Yep. I go on Monday nights, my meeting is 45 minutes away.
0: Wow.
1: Um, Monday's a long day.
0: Oh, it is. You know,
1: we've got meetings all day. It's, (laughs) you know, it's just a day full of staff meetings and catch up here and emails. And um, by the time I get off work and if I make it to the gym or whatever, the idea of getting back in the car at seven and driving close to an hour to go to AA is not the, it's not totally at the top of my list. But every time I, you know, start to complain about it, it turns out that was the meeting I needed that night. Yeah, that's good. And so I want everyone out there to think about that, whether you're still in the home, whether you're your graduate, whatever it may be. You probably need it if you don't want to be there. There's mm-hmm. a there's a good chance you probably need it. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, there.
0: thank you for having me. Yes. And I'm so proud of you and the hard work that you've done and just seeing you from that two weeks to where you are today. <laughs> it's just it's just very encouraging Absolutely. and
1: hopeful. Well thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure getting to work side by side with you all these years. I know we've got plenty more to go. Yes. Um, Again, be sure if you are someone out there who is in need, who wants a good community around you, please, 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 hopeisalive.net slash rootedintruth, get signed up for this retreat. We are, we, for all I know, we probably lost a spot in the middle of this podcast. So. I
0: hope, I hope we did.
1: <laughs> so please hop on there, get signed up. If you uh, if you are somebody you know is interested in sponsoring the retreat, we are always looking for sponsors for these things to Absolutely. make it the best experience possible for our folks out there. And also be sure to follow Hope Is Alive on social media. Yeah, that's facebook.com slash hope is alive okay and on Instagram at hope is alive we'll put those up and thank you so much for listening today we'll be back again week after next we're going to be doing this bi-weekly going forward very good and uh, be sure to share this like subscribe five stars all the good stuff so we can keep on bringing you hope filled episodes and we'll see you again next time th- this th- is the hope dealers podcast
0: let me feel like-
1: This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.